Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. I'm the boy from college. <laughs> Ted Weems, John Parker used to talk a lot about Ted Weems. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. Use it or lose it, write it down or forget it. And this morning, I thought of something I wanted to tell you, but of course I, I forgot what it was while I was taking apple dumplings down to my brother's house. By the time I got home, I forgot what it was. And I only remember half it was I wanted to tell you. When I say that I'm 78 years old, and some people say to me, Oh, that's not old. I reply, If this is true, why does 
Miss Marple on television looked to me like a hot young chick.
Brad Terry, of course, who lives down in Bath, and the young Peter Herman on guitar. Do 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 do. Longtime radio friend Robert in Brunswick says, "The only way to get an automobile entirely manufactured in the United States is to purchase a foreign car." Slap in the bass. I can remember when I was working in Cree's Hardware Store back around 1953-54, I used to walk down to 176 South Main Street by the big chestnut tree where my grandmother's brother, Uncle Ed, lived. And Uncle Ed played for dances in Rockland back around 1910, 1905, 1910. And when I started to learn the bass with Harry uh, 
Mattiabas. Dave Mattiabas out at the Samoset back around 1956, 57, I guess, 58. I used to go see Uncle Ed. And Uncle Ed said, play in the bass. Do you bow it or do you slap it? Because that was the term they used back then, slap in the bass. It was unusual in 1913, 1910, I guess, to, to play the bass with your fingers instead of a bow. Anyway, you know that I still live in a village where my people have lived for over 250 years. So it should come as no surprise to you that I am related to almost everyone here, except the new families that have moved in recently, since the War of 1812. As you know, the Tolmans, even though the Tolmans didn't get to Rockland until 1757, why? We still go out of our way to try to make them feel welcome. Anyway, when I was a little boy, Captain Thomas, who was born in 1877 and was a third cousin to me, Captain Thomas used to look at me and he'd say, You don't know, you don't know. He'd shake his head. Well, I'm now older than Captain Thomas was then, and I finally understand what he was saying to me and what he was thinking when he looked at me. The other day I spoke with a fine young man who was 22 years old or so, and I thought the same thing when I looked at him. I said to myself, you don't know, you don't know. And I wished that there was some way I could shift some things from my brain to his. You know, I wished I could give him the pleasant memories I have of his people for six or so generations. And how good, I wish I could let him know how good all of those old folks were to me when I was a little boy. I knew his great-great-great-great-grandmother. That's four greats. I knew his great-great-great-great-grandmother. And when I was a little boy, her daughter, who was born in 1878, was one of my favorite people. And later, when I was a teenager... There were some things I did with this boy's grandfather and some things I saw this boy's grandfather do. And when I spoke with that boy the other day, I kept thinking, you don't know, you don't know. And it's just as well, when it comes to some things, that you don't know.
best couldn't help you any more than you could or right could. Best couldn't help it, though she tried to be good, oh so good. She's pretty as the heavens above. Oh boy, how that girl could love. A Bessie had affection, and that was simply wonderful. Mess couldn't help it any more than you could, or I could. But when she'd smile, you were bound to fall, that's all. A boy kissed Bessie in a taxi one night. Why, oh, why did she yell with delight? Best couldn't help it any more than you could, or I could. end on that. Anyway, thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station, where, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And three young men even stopped in the other day to say hi. Never know who's going to show up. They were even good enough to make uh, some promos for my television program. They said, oh, yes. They stood right in front of the camera and they said, oh, yes. Listen to the humble farmer. Of course, I told them what to say, but that's all right. Yes, I was telling around that uh, the deer were eating my cucumbers and the deer were eating my squash. And I was asking my friends how I could keep deer out of my garden. You might be interested interested to hear what Fred said. Fred said, my grandfather used to put a kerosene lantern out to keep the deer out of his garden. He told me that one night he saw the light moving around, and when he went out to see what was going on, a buck had hooked the lantern on his antlers and was showing the young ones where to find the best beans. I get so excited, I can hardly think. 
I ain't got a mouthful of soap, son, but they taste good to me. As long as my sweetie's by my side, doing the dishes with me. Now there's no moonlight or a June night, but I'm telling you, I get loving near the oven when there's dishes to do. We do things that we have not, or we hold hands underneath the water, washing dishes with my sweetie at the kitchen sink. Washing dishes with we do things we hadn't ought of. We hold hands underneath the water. I was awake from one o'clock until four o'clock one morning, and for part of that time I was reading some newspaper columns by Mike Royko in a book. And it said, Becoming an irritant to the city's politicians with penetrating and skeptical questions and reports. That's what it said. For years I have believed that Mike Royko was the greatest. He won a Pulitzer Prize. And even if he hadn't won anything, I still think he was the greatest. But when I read his columns at two o'clock in the morning, I continually said to myself, Wow, if I wrote this, it would not get published in any paper in Maine because it would offend somebody. And I, I thought to myself, if I read this on the radio, what Mike Royko has written, I'd never get to say another word on the radio again. I ask a lot of questions when I write papers or do radio, and, and there's nothing many people hate more than asking questions because think about this. If you ask questions, it might give other people the idea that they should be asking questions too. For example, instead of standing up by the road with a big sign saying that Obama or LePage is an idiot, instead of doing that, some of us might simply ask why Obama or LePage did thus and so. Why did LePage do this? Why did President Obama do that? And if you can get other people to ask the same questions, you might dictate the outcome of an election because it would make people think instead of just saying so-and-so is a fool or an idiot. Say, why did he not want to give poor people medicine or something like that? And people might say, my word, I wonder why he didn't want poor people to have medicine. Anyway, you, when my wife Masha, the almost perfect woman, read my column for the newspaper last week, she said, Hey, you ask a lot of questions. Well, luckily for me, that part where I was asking questions was edited out and did not get published, which is okay by me. 
But think about this. Think of all the dozens of good writers, really good writers in the United States who will never get a crack at the Pulitzer Prize because their editor didn't want to offend anybody. Roger Calloway, playing a song you might have heard. The, they played it for years at the end of the Archie Bunker show. And we played Brad Terry here a couple of minutes ago. And when Brad was in Thomaston here a week or so ago, he, he came over to set in at the sessions. And when Brad is in New York City, he also goes in to play with Roger Calloway and Sometime I will play for you a recording that Brad made with Roger Calloway in New York and Red Mitchell. The kids arrived the other night, and I availed myself of all the extra woman power to fasten a mirror to my garage. And I can see this mirror on the garage when I look in the mirror over my computer in my cellar, in my solar radiant, heated solar office. By attaching the mirror to the garage with three hinges and a sliding metal adjustment rod, I'm able to shift it until I can see most anything I want to see out front. I can now look at the mirror over my desk and see the mirror on the garage, which enables me to see 
my rhubarb stand out front and my sign out front. I can see anybody stopped at the rhubarb stand. I got the penny, the, the hinges for pennies at a lawn sale somewhere, and I got the mirror and adjustment rod at the dump, of course. That's where you get everything that, that you need. Now, I ask you this. Doesn't a man who has his office in a solar radiant heated cellar deserve to see what's happening out there in the world around him? I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com. Humble Farmer can be heard here on your favorite radio station every week at this time. Thank you, thank you for listening. Claire, who is a Facebook friend, 
sent me a picture of her back door. Claire has eight foot lengths of firewood standing beside the door. Years and years ago, 30, 40 years ago, when I was in the process of destroying my lungs with wood smoke from a kitchen stove, I didn't do that with my firewood. I, I just threw it out on the ground. And of course, after a few snowstorms and a few ice storms, by the time March rolled around, I had to chop my alders out of the ice with an axe. I wish I had thought of standing my firewood on end by the back door. Think about this. Is it not the kind of technological advance that warrants a picture on any timeline showing the ascent of man?
Tommy Flanagan. I'm old-fashioned. Do you answer the questions asked by your Facebook page? Facebook is, a, is nosier than a cow. Facebook says, where have you traveled? What is your telephone number? When did you start at University of Maine at Orono? When did you start at University of Rochester? Did you graduate from University of Maine at Orono? When did you stop going to University of Maine at Orono? Have you ever tried to fill in all of the blanks? If so, let me know. Tell me about it. How many questions about your past and present do you have to answer before Facebook is satisfied? Does Facebook ever come right out and say to you, Stop, stop. You've already told me more about your pathetic existence than I want to know. Have you seen the movie called Her? H-E-R, I think it is. I think this movie Her is about a man who falls in love with a computer-generated woman's voice. because it's on a computer. You might have read that Her confessed to her online lover, that she was currently in love with 6,523 other men at the same time. You know, that, I think that even breaks any record for people living in Rockland. Have you ever wondered if your 1,346 Facebook friends are real or if they exist only in cyberspace? Has anyone written a book about the next obvious step a president of the United States or, or a governor of Maine who turns out to be a computer-generated entity and therefore pleases everyone? Harrison Ford, I think you'll agree, Harrison Ford is too old for the voice role in the movie. And of course, Brad's, Brad Pitt's present wife wouldn't let him take the job for fear he'd fall for his computerized female movie consort. Do you lie awake nights thinking about these things? No, I don't either, but, but they do come to me in the morning when I'm putting off taking my shower or putting off doing any kind of meaningful work.
Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. We are on a Ted Weems kick. Old people are completely at sea today. We don't stand the chance. Think about this. Unlike little kids, we don't know computer terminology. They didn't even invent computers till I was probably 65 years old, 60 years old. We don't know the computer terminology, and we aren't surrounded by peers who can teach us things every waking hour of the day. How do I put a disk into a laptop Acer CM5? I asked Google. I'm having a struggle because I don't know what that little door and the tray behind it that holds the CD or DVD discs is called. I don't know what you call that tray. My wife Marsha's nephew gave her a new laptop computer, yes. But we haven't been able to figure out how to open the little door on the side that holds discs. I thought I would surprise my wife with my technical savvy, you know, and be able to tell her how to open it when she comes home in the afternoon, but my question is too elementary to warrant an online answer. What turns up when you ask how to open the little door on the side of the computer is what what turns up is several websites that tell you how to remove the hard drive. (laughs) It's too elementary a question to warrant inclusion. Nobody thinks about it. Anybody able to answer any question you can ask about a computer is driving a Jaguar before their forte.
Very nice song. I didn't learn that till a very short while ago. I've never played it myself. Ron Carter on bass, of course. Wow. <laughs> Paul Desmond. Here's something I found found while looking up Buck Fanshaw's funeral. You've read Buck Fanshaw's funeral. When challenged to cite a passage of Scripture that expressly forbids polygamy, Mark Twain said, No man can serve two masters. And beneath that was a story about two people in Spruce Head who were discussing the origin of First Baptist Church. One said that it started way back in the 13th chapter of Genesis when Abraham said to Lot, if thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or, if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Years and years ago, I wrote about this continual congregation splitting after I saw people squabbling in a local church. Half of them, or 16 or so, left and moved into another building across the street with a sign out front proclaiming it to be the Beacon of True Light or, or something similar, you know, where they could raise their hands in the air and holler. And a year later, half of them, which would be eight or so, left the Beacon of True Light and moved in yet another building. They moved into yet another building next door to that with a sign out front that said the way of Christ or something like that, where they could not only throw their arms in the air in ecstasy, but they could also roll on the floor and speak in tongues. And at last, after a couple of more splits, you can see what happened. It finally got to a point where only one woman was left because the last person to disagree with her had moved into yet another building 300 feet further down the road where that person, as a reverent herpetologist, could bite snakes, you know, in the manner prescribed by Scripture. I mentioned to Gramp Wiley that here at last was a church containing only one perfect woman that could split no more. And Gramp Wiley leaned back in his rocking chair and said, Not true. She's schizophrenic. Thought they kissed that way before. 
He's the type that makes you feel that he's too good to be real. He's tall and dark and handsome. Ted Weems. Oh, we got time for one more, I guess. I write several things in my Facebook page every day. I write this on my Facebook page, and if something looks or sounds right, and I might pass it along to you here on the radio. Now, one day I mentioned that I have in the barn a 1925 Model T Roadster that I bought from George Renter up in Fintown for a hundred dollars. Did I say I bought it around 50 years ago? No, I've never driven this car, and I mentioned that I could probably double my money should I decide to sell it today. Someone wrote back that she'd be glad to give me $500 for it if it runs. Because <laughs> I laughed. If it runs. I know nothing about computers or cooking food or how to make jello. If you have mastered computers or cooking or making jello, you probably take it for granted that what you do is rather elementary and self-explanatory. For over 60 years, I have been driving the same Model T Ford. So it would never occur to me that anyone could look at a Model T Ford in any condition and wonder if it would run. It would be easier for me to believe that there was once a main child who ran into the kitchen and asked his mother if an apple were a good thing to eat. Like a jelly on the plate. 